Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello again, everyone. Let me try that again. Come on, you guys have plenty of time to sleep in a little bit. Hello, everyone. It feels much better when you say it like that. Um, today, and by the way, if you're, it's your first time here with us, I'm Jim Del Campo. I'm the senior pastor here, and I get to be that. I really enjoy it for the last 31 and a half years, and it's good to have you with us. You could be anywhere else. You could be sleeping in. You could be eating pancakes. You could be doing anything, but you're here, so hey, we appreciate that very much. Those of you watching at home online, hi, everybody. You could say hi to me. You could type it in and say, hi, Pastor Jim. I appreciate that, and uh, today we're going to continue. We're in a topical series uh, currently as we took a break from one of our books. We did uh, Galatians, and then after the New Year, because we're going to do a Christmas series next after this one, and then after the New Year, we'll get back into the books. We'll do Ephesians and on to uh, Philippians, Colossians, because those are our four books we'll go through for uh, Sunday mornings uh, in this current Bible teaching year. So uh, we're going to talk on generosity. We talked two weeks ago. Remember on forgiveness, how many went about your clicker after that message? Anybody remember that? How many got the clicker? Just really? No, okay. And then last week, uh, Pastor Charlie Bukar spoke on generous with your time, did a great job. Now you know why Pastor Charlie always wears a hat. Do you remember why he wears a hat? Because he's bald. That's right. Okay, now you got that one. And... No, I'm just joking. And it's real too, okay? And no, I don't diet either, man. I take after my men. Whoever's laughing back there, keep it up, okay? But... Um... But uh, I want to begin with a question this morning. I want to talk to the guys. First question with you guys. And if you're married, let me ask you this. When you take your wife out for dinner or whatever, how many of you guys, be honest now, guys, how many of you do not share your food with your spouse? In other words, you got yours and she got hers and she better not touch yours. Raise your hand. Come on, raise them up. Okay, see how much dishonesty in this room right now? Let me flip it, okay? Because guys always pad their stats. I'm going to ask the wives. How many of you are married to a husband that will not share his food? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to see it. Look at how many more hands go up right now. Now, I have a friend like that who won't share his food. It's disturbing. It really is. Because you really cannot help these people. Let's call them greedy grubbers, okay? And, and uh, you can't help them. And so we're going to start a... Uh, we're going to start a support group after the new year called GG Greedy Grubbers. And so you can sign up in the lobby right after this service, all right? Okay, no, we're not going to start that whatsoever. But like it is with food, greedy grubbers, we can also be with the gospel. We can be a greedy gospeler. Amen? We can keep the gospel to ourselves. We got the greatest message on the planet and we no longer share it, or it's been a long, long time since we've ever shared that message. And so today we're going to talk about hey, it's time to be generous with the gospel. Now, with that said, let me say this. Um, I like to listen to scholars on different areas, and I, do, I, want, I like to know what's happening in the culture, try to stay up on that, because I like to preach the truth versus the culture. And some, what they're saying now, some of these scholars across the country, is that American Christians need to come out of the closet. And what they mean by that is, we need to start sharing the gospel again. Because we're hiding in the closet on that one. Now, let me make these statements to show you why we've come to this place. Because in America now, I've been saved. I've been a Christian 44 years. I grew up as a kid in the 60s and all the craziness of that time. But the, America was gospel friendly. All of us old timers know that, right? 
It's not gospel friendly anymore. Because now what you've seen, if you see people, followers of Christ, being bullied, what you're seeing now is followers of Christ, they're being canceled. What you're seeing now, and I watch YouTube scholars and teachers, if they teach on a certain subject that the Bible says that is sin, then they get, guess what, defunded. And that's what we're seeing now. People are being bullied. Some of you know that if you even went against what they're saying at the job, you might even get fired, huh? And that's what you're facing now. This is America now. And America, by the way, America, don't say America is a Christian nation. It was, no, no, no. It was founded upon Christian principles and values, but it was never, say, a Christian nation. Let's be clear on that. But it was founded on the values of, this, of the scriptures, of holy God's scriptures, which is a great thing. But watching those values eroded. And so now for you and I, in our world that we operate in, to be generous with the gospel, we're going to face a lot of opposition. Are we not? It's just going to happen. And if you're not a follower of Christ right now, Riddle me this one. Why is it, non-follower of Christ, why is it that when Christ is brought up, when Jesus talked about, why does everybody get crazy about that one? They can bring up Buddha, they can bring up Allah, and nobody goes crazy, right? But why Jesus? You're not a follower of Christ. Understand, you have to think this through. Think there must be something behind the scenes going on. There must be a true spiritual world and a spiritual battle that's happening. And that's why there's so much opposition to the name of Jesus, the only Messiah, the only one that can save humanity from their sins. Now, with that said, we're to be generous with the gospel. So I'm putting this message together. And, um, and, I'm, and if you look in your notes, I have 2 Kings 7 at the very end. That was going to be my text for this morning. I was going to challenge you, go out there, preach this gospel. This. And then I thought, the Spirit of God dropped this into my mind. And, you know, I don't hear God's audible voice. I know some people have heard that. I don't. I always tell people the way God's, when I say God spoke to me, it's like he drops thoughts in my mind. Because if the Holy Spirit lives in me, which he does, that makes my mind Holy Spirit user-friendly. Amen. And I believe it. God's dropping these thoughts in my mind. And the Spirit of God dropped this in my head about this message that I was going to begin to prepare, write down all my thoughts and everything like that and the scripture I was going to use and study it out and read all the commentaries. And He said, Jim, you're going to challenge them to be generous with the gospel? What if they don't even know what the gospel is? What if they don't even know how to verbalize it, to be very succinct with it? What if they don't know that? Now that's a good point. Holy Spirit, you're pretty smart. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Instead of spending the whole time challenging you, preach the gospel, which I will at the end, I want to take you through what is the gospel. For some of you, you're saying, I already know this. Good, that's fine. I'm glad you do. But in the Bible, we have what's called the law of reoccurrence. You will find the same things repeated again and again and again and again. Why do you think that is? Because we have thick skulls, do we not? It's very hard for us to get some of the, it takes years and years for us to get certain things. And when they finally click, they click. So the Bible keeps pounding away and pounding away that we get this. So for some of you, you got it. It's pounded in there. Others, you need rehearsal. Others, you're like, yeah, what is the gospel? You need to be told what this thing is. Begin your journey to really understand what the gospel is. 
And that's what we're going to do today. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, we're going to go at 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is the writer. Paul, who hated Christians, his job was murder Christians, snuff out Christianity, stop this Jesus movement. Then Jesus appears to him, resurrected Jesus, and he becomes a Christian. This is Paul, this writer. This book is written about 20, less than 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we know that for historical, archaeological reasons. It's a fact. Now, I'm going to pull out three points. The first one is kind of a prep, a statement that has to be made, and then point two and point three are the gospel, which we'll lay out very clear, and then I'm going to drive this thing home at the very end. Sound like a plan, yes or no? Okay, good. Here we go. Number one, the gospel. The first thing we've got to know is everyone is a sinner. And please, everyone say, amen. Amen. Boy, you're proud you're sinners. Wow. I'm joking. (laughs) Now, look at verse one through three, and it says this. Paul speaking. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. This is what you stand in, friends by which also you are saved. Ah, you're saved by the gospel. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Say first importance. It's the most important thing. What I also received. So he received what he's going to tell you and I in this writing. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's right. Now, in here, we find out that, uh, yeah, we find out that we are sinners. Now, in here, he says, the most important thing that I give to you is the gospel. That's highest priority. In there, he says, this gospel, I've received it. It was given to me. I received it from someone. That's what he's telling us in there. But he also is telling us that we're all sinners that we sin now the word sin which is not popular anymore in our society right because there's no more sin anymore it's just whatever anybody wants to believe right and but sin means to miss the mark now the question is what mark what are we trying to hit and the answer is very simple the word of God amen now that's the mark that's what society, these are, and if you've never read the Bible, just try reading the New Testament for about two years straight in a row and see how great and the morals are in there. No human in and of themselves would have written that because they would have lowered the standard way down like we see in our culture. That's a fact, man. That's a fact. Now, but sin. When you share with someone, they're going to say, and you hear this a lot today, well, that's your truth. I have my truth. Anyone ever heard that one before? Raise your hand if you ever heard that one. I have my truth. Well, when they have their own truth, that can be whatever they feel and whatever they think, right? And so they can just dodge whatever you're telling them. Now, let me, let me, let me talk about this my truth, your truth thing, because I think it's a real important deal here. How many of you are school teachers? Any school teachers here? Raise your hand. Okay. Raise them up high. Raise them up high, high. Okay. I want to give everyone your detention for what you guys... No, I'm just... <laughs> Okay, school teachers, let me, let me talk, to, this is my truth, because I know school teachers, I know the seminars they put you through, I know. I know what they try to push on you, to push to the kids, and I know the battle that you fight, I know it. I talk to school teachers, my son, school teacher, I, I know, I know. But school, this whole thing about my truth. Let's say school teachers that you're a, um, a science teacher, 
And as a science teacher, you give a test. Because you give, t- Jennifer, you're a science teacher, that's why you get excited about that? Okay. I thought I heard you out of my good ear. But anyway, I heard the voice of one crying in the wilderness. No, I, so. <laughs> but, um, okay, let's say you give a science test on the sun. And the sun, you know, 93 and a half million miles from the earth in the winter, in the summertime, 91 and a half million miles from the earth in the wintertime. It's closer in the winter? Yeah, it is. It's just the tilt of the earth creates the seasons that are different like that. And let, I don't know if it's fission or fusion or I, I can't remember that one. And it's, you know, and it takes what's, eight, I don't know, eight minutes for the sunlight to get here and the heat and everything. And you give the test. And the student fills it all out. And they turn it in and you look at the whole test and the student writes, that the sun is really 20 miles from the earth. And there's just a sphere, and there's someone in there with a giant, giant propane tank with a bunch of flame door, and they light it up during the daytime. And it lights this thing up, and since it's only 20 miles away, it sends out heat. And then, and then once it, it, oh, the whole day goes by, they turn it off during that time. And they turn in this paper, and, and you read it, and you give them an A or an F. Thank you. God bless you. You get, you get an A for that answer, by the way. And so, but, and then you tell the student, look, this is all wrong. You get an F. And the student says to you, that's your truth. I have my truth. And my truth says, that sun is 20 miles away. And there's a giant propane tank in there. And somebody's lighting that thing up. It sounds ridiculous, huh? doesn't it that's the world we live in that's the world we live in because this person says no it's a propane tank that's my truth but he says no the truth is this see you cannot have two opposing truth and both be right it's impossible it's called the law of non-contradiction but that's the way we live in society right now right now and so you take that and that's one of the things out there and people can say well that's your truth not my truth well that doesn't make any sense you just can't have all these different truths and so it becomes a little bit more difficult now to share the gospel because once you share that sin is sin they go that's your truth that's not my truth and so to get them into that place where they have to admit that they are a sinner that becomes very very difficult does it not now let me go on let me about about sin here I'm gonna come down there now okay take my water because I'm a little bit scratchy today um but um, cameraman, did you like that move right there? But anyway, they hate when I go back and forth quick because I am quick. <laughs> okay, now watch what the Bible says. This is Paul writing. Paul's one of the great philosophical scriptural thinkers, builds great cases. Guy hated Christians, now becomes a Christian. Watch this. Here we go. Read it with me, would you? There is none who understands there is none who seeks for God stop right there wives you could tell your husband you don't even understand anything no don't tell him that right there's none who seeks for God verse 12 all have turned aside together they have become used to stop the word useless means sour milk there is none who does meaning continuously there is not even one are we sinners can we continuously do good no, not at all. Look, look what else it says, 323. Read it. For all have sinned and it falls short of the glory of God. How, how much is all? All means all, and that's all all means. Right? Okay, now, so we've all sinned. Look at 623. For the wages of sin, now we get payment for our sin, is what? Death. 
death and that means separation from God eternally but in hell but the free gift of God is it's free you can receive salvation for free somebody else paid the price like Jesus is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord are we sinners yes sir no come on somebody give it to me give me some love out there okay I'm working hard up here it's like this okay so, so we're all sinners I'm trying to I, I, I went blank on my illustration but I'll remember it right now okay I, I remember I remember you guys ever see on social media or somewhere where um, there's like an animal stuck somewhere and the rancher comes and frees them you ever see that yeah. I like those the horse gets stuck in the mud remember the miry mud I've seen them where two, two deer bucks have their antlers stuck and they, have you ever seen that one right there that's wild I've seen it where there's a coyote stuck in the barbed wire and they're coming to try to free that thing. I've even seen one where it's like a bobcat was stuck in some kind of barbed wire something. Now, let's take the bobcat. They come and they want to free the bobcat. But as they're trying to free the bobcat, what is the bobcat trying to do? Trying to bite him. And so they're trying to free him. The bobcat's trying to bite him. And and, and they're trying to free him. And the bobcat tries to bite him. Now, if you think about that, the bobcat is stuck. And the bobcat will be stuck there until that bobcat dies of starvation. It cannot free itself. And yet it's fighting against the very person who is trying to free them from imminent death. Are you following me? That's exactly this. I was in the situation. I was the bobcat stuck. I wasn't a Christian all my life. I didn't even like you guys when I was growing up. And, I, and my, my family witnessed to me and shared with me about Christ, and I'm just like, <laughs> not, I only do that once per service, okay? <laughs> Trust me, the, the staff will put that somewhere on the picture somewhere. And so, um, but I'm trying to bite, get away. I don't want this whatsoever. I'm fighting the very people with the message that will save me because I am stuck in my sins and I'm destined to an eternity in hell. And I don't understand that. And I can't possibly understand that because I'm not a Christian. I don't understand the message yet. And yet we are all sinners and we're all, we were, and if you're saved, you're not stuck anymore, but we're stuck in that thing. And if you're not a Christian, you're stuck in it. And you can say, well, I don't believe in hell. This and it doesn't matter what you believe. You're not the authority. How many times have you, a flawed human being, been wrong in your life? And now you're the authority on hell and heaven? This is what kills me about the culture. They think they know everything. They're like me. They're flawed. They're imperfect. They've made mistakes a thousand times. I have the scriptures to guide my way because I don't know the way. And I have God's word. We're all sinners Every one of us, say amen to that one. Now, let's get to the gospel. Point two. Christ died for our sins and was buried. Now we got two of the three statements of the gospel. Now, verse three says this. For I delivered to you as of first. Thanks for helping me out so much there. Okay. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the now you got two elements of the gospel first off Christ and then you got died I'm going to give it to you they're all filled that's already done in your notes right now now first one let's go through it here we go guys 
Give it to me now. Here we go. The person, Jesus, Jesus is God. How do we know? John 1.1, 1, 1. watch this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, what the Word and God, God and the Word, they're one and the same. Amen? So the Word is God. Now, watch this. John the writer goes on to say this in the same chapter. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now watch. And we saw his glory. What did John just say in that statement? He said, I saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw him die and I saw him in his glory in the resurrection. I'm an eyewitness to the fact. This is what John is telling you. He's an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. That's amazing. Glory as the only, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now, the Word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. Now we know that that person who dwelt among us became flesh is who? Is who? It's Jesus. But we know from verse 1 that this Word that became flesh is also what? God. So therefore, Jesus is God. It's very simple math. So now we have deity. But let's go further on that one right there. Colossians 2.9. It says, for in him, this is Jesus, read all of Colossians 2, you know it's him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So now we know all of God dwells in that body that Jesus took, that flesh he took a couple thousand years ago, but he always existed. So now we know Jesus is God. Say deity. Okay, now let's go to the work of Christ. Now, next one. The work, Jesus dies in our place. We got deity, we got part of the gospel now. Now Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now listen, I'm going to give you a sidebar right now. I'm going to help some of you right now. If Christ loved you at your worst, when you didn't even want him, do you think he's going to stop loving you when you mess up? Yes or no? Can we just sink that one in? That Christian, when you blow it and make a mistake, it doesn't change. He doesn't go, well, I hate you now. He loved you when you're way worse than that. And he's never going to stop loving you. But here's the point. Christ died for us. Did you catch that? Okay, now, how many teachers? Raise your hand, teachers in the room. It's teacher day here at New Beginnings. Raise your hand, okay. How many of you loved it when you had a substitute that day? I did. It was like, we're going to get away with some stuff today. I remember, how many went to Corona High, like back in the Stone Age? Anyone remember O.J. Watson, the police officer? Remember O.J.? OJ? Remember O.J.? Okay. O.J. Watson. He taught this class called Police Science. And it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I remember my senior year in high school. And, uh, and not that I wanted to be a police officer. I didn't want to be shooting at me. But me and my buddy Tom Hawkins, best friends, we'd be walking and we'd do this all the time. We'd look in like this to see. And if there was a sub that day, we'd just keep on walking. We wouldn't even go to class. And we'd go down, if you're an old corona person, we'd go down to pizza, uh, to uh, 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 Winchell's, Winchell's Donuts. Thank you for service person. Because right now in the corner of Lincoln and 6, it's a Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut Express, right? 
You know where that's at? That was a Winchell's Donut, right next to Corona High. It was the only high school in Corona. So we go there. We get two to three donuts each with a tall Coke. Because, you know, when you're 17, you can eat whatever you want, right? Now you eat something, and you, in fact, you just look at food, and, and there you go. Because the metabolism slows down. And so we'd have a great time. So substitute. Now substitute. Jesus took our place on that cross. Substitute. Substitutionary death. Okay, so I wasn't always the nicest person that you look at today, sweet and nice and everything. In high school, I was kind of a... Now, you old Corona high school people, do you remember a teacher called Mr. Rutan? You got to be around a long time to Mr. Rutan. Mr. Rutan was like, he was like basically just counting the days till it was over, man. You could tell he just didn't want to be a teacher anymore. Real nice guy, sweet guy. One time in the class, we got out of control. I was part of it. And remember the old green chalkboards? Remember the erasers? Remember the big erasers? We got our hands on all the erasers. And we start having an eraser fight across the class. And Mr. Rutan just in there like this. Because, you know, he's counting his days. He don't care anymore. And we're going 15 minutes. We're just flinging him and trying to hit each other. We thought this was the greatest day in the history of our high school education. And, we're, it's, and so the, the bell rings. We go to the next class. We go, that was outstanding. Come back to school the next day. All our names are on the chalkboard. And he gives every one of us detention for five days in a row. Now, wait, wait. You're clapping, right? Thanks. Okay. Now, this was not detention in the afternoon after school. This was detention in the morning before first period class. Right? You're in high school. You don't want to get up earlier. I mean, I feel like you're, you're killing me. But we had to get up. Now, let me tell you what did not happen. I came to that first detention. I don't know if it's 6.45 or 7 in the morning. I don't know what it was. I came to that first. Uh, this, this didn't happen. I sit down, and Mr. Rutan looks at me and says, you know, Jim, it's okay. I'm going to serve your detention for you. How many of you teachers would do that? None of you. Because it never happened. He didn't serve my detention for me. I had to serve it. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he served our detention, guys. He was a substitute for our sins. On that cross, he took all the wrath, all the pain, all the brutality, everything, the punishment we deserve for our sins. He served the detention. And not for five mornings. He served it all. He served it all. That's what the death was all about. So you have deity and you have death. Two elements of the gospel. Are you following me so far? Are you tracking? Okay, good. Now we're going to get a third one. And here comes the third element. Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, now we got the third piece. I'm going to read five verses now, 15, 3 through 8. It says this. Paul speaking. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures 
and that he was buried and that he was raised there it is on the third day according to the scriptures and then he appeared to Cephas question who is Cephas? Peter then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time this is after the resurrection most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep sleep is a New Testament metaphor for they've died then he appeared to James whoa who's James? Jesus' brother same mom different dads then to all the apostles then Paul writes and last of all can you hear his voice and last of all as to one untimely born he appeared to me also like Paul says I don't even deserve this thing man but he appeared to me me the one who murdered Christians me the one who tried to snuff out Christianity he appears to me and now you have the three elements here's the gospel it's deity it's death it's resurrection or some people say it like this death burial resurrection I like deity death resurrection let's say that deity death resurrection come on everybody help me out deity death resurrection say it again deity death resurrection that is the gospel and Paul said I am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God unto salvation that gospel gospel deity death resurrection is the power to save someone in, from eternal hell now what's the benefit because there's got to be a benefit or else you guys won't listen to him anymore Romans 6 4 and 5 watch here's one of the benefits therefore we have been buried with and through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in newness of life for if we have become united say united with him in the likeness of his death certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection now watch when Paul there writes using the word united they were united with him in the likeness of death and resurrection the idea of the word is this you take a branch from a tree a different type of tree and you graft it into an, a tree of a whole different family in there as it grafts in eventually this tree that's not this branch was not part of eventually the life of this tree flows through the branch are you following me? are you following me? that's exactly what happens the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ that the life of the spirit of God begins to flow through your spiritual veins you now have the DNA of God you now have the ability through the power of God to walk in a new life and to be a transformed person are you following me? that's one of the greatest benefits that you can actually change your life through the power of God now watch what Paul says because this is important he said now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead because there's people there in the local church saying ah he didn't rise from the dead nobody rises from the dead I don't believe anybody could rise from the dead you ever heard that one before he's dealing with it right there a couple thousand years ago if Christ has preached has been raised from the dead how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead for if there is no resurrection of the dead not even Christ has been raised he can't believe he's shocked at them because Paul has seen the resurrected Christ and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain which means meaningless moreover we are even found to be false witnesses of God this is an amazing verse by the way 
because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised I'll leave that verse alone but let me tell you what Paul's saying if there's no resurrection if Jesus didn't rise from the dead then what are we doing here why are we even here why do we come to worship God why do we sing those songs why do we listen to the word of God I mean if he didn't rise from the dead let me tell you what that means that all of our faith is built solidly upon one event and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ are you following the, the thinking on that yes or no now I got a segue somebody's going to ask me which I invite oh you know there's no no nobody rose from the dead Jesus didn't rise from the dead you've been listening to bloggers I get you riddle me this Batman so Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem I mean they beat him they pierced him they whipped him he hung up there six hours it's brutal he dies in Jerusalem then they entomb him 50 days later the church is born 3,000 people get saved they're preaching resurrection in the same city that he was crucified and entombed and it's not a big city at that time if they want to stomp out Christianity from the get go when these disciples are when Peter's preaching resurrection and 3,000 people are getting saved what's the one thing the Pharisees who would love to do this what should they do go get the dead body bring it out it's only been 50 days it's 50 they couldn't recognize him medical doctors today have said because of the arid climate there they could still recognize him that's a fact all they had to do was bring out the body but they didn't do it because the body wasn't there because he rose from the dead any amens okay I get you riddle me this one oh Jim you know they uh, you know they, they the disciples stole the body and Jesus faked death and they stole the body okay then you gotta riddle me another one have you ever read on how the Roman soldiers would guard the tomb have you ever read the way they do this you think these 11 disciples who are fishermen know how to overtake the Roman soldiers there's no way and then if Jesus faked his death let's say he faked his let's say it happened faked his death and they break in they get past the Roman guards and they steal the body and then three days later Jesus appears to everyone three days later after a crucifixion have you ever read what happens in a crucifixion have you ever read the torment the brutality if Jesus even survived the crucifixion he would have to be placed in a hospital of today not of back then of today for six months to a year just to survive and come back and be able to walk with a walker or two canes or something so you're telling me they stole the body after an actual crucifixion and they bring Jesus out three days later resurrected and they're holding him he's going I'm back everybody can you imagine really no come on no 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 I'll give you another one James the brother of Jesus James who his own family one time they came to get Jesus they said our brother is insane that's what it says they think Jesus is out of his mind so the family comes to get him James is there it's in the gospels 
James, after the resurrection, he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. How does he go from skeptic, my brother's insane, to that guy's the Messiah, he's God in the flesh. By the way, what would it take for you to believe your brother's the Messiah, God in the flesh? I'll tell you what changed him, the resurrection. He saw his brother killed and he saw his brother rise from the dead and he had no answer except that my brother is actually God. And that's what he believed. Now, deity, death, resurrection. I'll give, you, I'll give you one more. Can you hold on one more? One more? Okay. Okay, when you read 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, you find there he says, you see the, he, he died according to the scriptures, was buried according to scriptures, rose from the dead according to scriptures. Verse 3 and 4 are what is called uh, uh, an ancient creed. You find multiple ancient creeds in the New Testament, Romans 1, 3, and 4, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. These are ancient creeds along with 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. Ancient creeds are these verbal statements that Christians were using back then before they ever wrote down anything on paper. And they're very, very old ancient creeds. So they were saying these things. Now, to think about this, and Paul says, I received this. He's received. Paul, here, watch this. Paul at plus two, two years after the resurrection, all the scholars, skeptic and, and, evangel and Christian ones, all agree, about plus two years after the crucifixion or resurrection, Paul has Jesus appear to him, so it changes his life. At plus five, three years later, Paul goes to visit Peter, and that's where he receives these things, that ancient creed. That's where he gets it from. So at plus five, and we have all these creeds throughout the New Testament, they all point to death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. What does it tell us? It tells us from the get-go. And they, can, they, they put these creeds all the way back to the very first few months of, of, after the resurrection. It tells us from the get-go, all the early church, all the followers of Christ, from the get-go are preaching death and resurrection. From the get-go. You know why that's important? I've shared this before. Because we have writings about Alexander the Great, right? Were there writers that the, lived at the same time as Alexander? Yeah. Do we have any of those writings? No. The nearest ones we have are 350 years, something like that, after Alexander died. But we believe them. We have writings here. The Corinthian writing is like within 20 years after the resurrection. And it can be proven by a man named Galileo, Galileo found in the book of Acts, who we find archaeologically that he did lead a government office at 51 AD. And we know that. And it proves that was written at that time. Within 20 years after. So from the get-go, it's resurrection. Deity, death, resurrection. Now, oh gosh. Okay, so the text in 2 Kings 7, I, I can't turn them, I'm going to tell you about it. So there's just four lepers. And, and it's a famine. And you know, lepers can't go near people back then, right? That's why you find them at the gate. But it's a famine, they're starving. And they think to themselves, well, we're going to die here, so we might as well take a chance in the enemy's camp. Let's go over there and see if they've got any food. So they go over there, take a chance, and guess what? There's nobody there. God has blinded the Arameans, tricked them, and they're gone. And they left all the food. They left silver, gold, everything. These four lepers get in there, and they go to tent to tent, and there's food everywhere. They're like, they think they're at Golden Corral. They're having a great time. 
And they're eating away and storing and eating away and storing. And then one of them says this. We're not doing good. We're not doing good. This is the day of good news. Gospel good news. This is the day of good news. We need to be sharing this. They say, if we keep silent, judgment will come upon us. And they go back and tell everybody back in the city, we found food. We found it. And they save the city. They're generous with the food. We need to be generous with the gospel. We have the good news. We found it. And if we keep silent, we're not doing good. So let me close this way. When you share the gospel, will you be opposed? Will you experience opposition? Yeah. Yeah, you will. You might be bullied, like I said before. Canceled. Defunded. Might be all those things. Because it's not a friendly world of the gospel anymore. Not in our country. So you're going to experience opposition. That's just what it is. But here's the thing. Who are we here to please? Just one person. And who is that? It's God. Jesus, you're right. Jesus, that's the only person we have to please. That's all. That's it. So Pontius Pilate, who is the judge in the trial of Jesus, he wants out of it. He doesn't want to convict Jesus. He knows Jesus is an innocent man, and he knows it. And to show you how crazy things don't even change in our culture, they just stay the same. The Pharisees came up and, 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 and Pilate says, what accusations do you bring against this Jesus? And you know what they said? If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. No charges, no evidence. We just say he's bad. And so you need to convict him. Wow, that sounds like today. You sure don't want to get yourself in a court system like that. There's no evidence. And Pilate's in a jam. He wants out of it. He just wants out of it. And he says, what should I do with this Jesus? And that's our question. What are we going to do with Jesus? And then it says, it's written, that he washes his hands of Jesus. He just wants to get out of it. Condemns him to be crucified. But here's what the writer says. That Pilate, wishing to please the crowd, condemns Jesus to death. Just get him out of there wishing to please the mob, the crowd. That's our decision. Who am I going to please? Who do I worry about? All I have to please is one person, God. I'm not here to please the crowd. I'm not, go here, I'm not here to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm here to, to praise and please the one, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. As you've heard the gospel today, deity, death, resurrection. If you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now because I gave you the facts. I gave you the facts. You and I were the ones stuck in the fence. We're that bobcat. We can't save ourselves. 
We need someone to come and save us. And that was Jesus. You know that Christianity is the only worldview where God comes to save man? Every other worldview, every other religion, man thinks he can save himself. That's an impossibility. He came to save you, friend, from an eternity in hell. And I'm going to give you a great opportunity right now to put your faith in him and to start following him and give your life to him. That's, this is what it's all about. This is of first importance. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ and you'd like to, oh, hallelujah. Or if you backslid and you know you need to get back to Jesus, let's just fix it now, okay? Let's come back and let's follow for the rest of our lives and not take any breaks. So if you'd like to receive Christ, put your faith in Him for the first time or back or rededicate your life, I want you to do one thing right now. Open your eyes and look up at me. Right now is a sign between you, me, and God. Right now. I'm going to look back at you in a second. When our eyes meet, you can close them. Here we go. Now, those who looked up at me, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone's going to say it with you out loud, so don't worry, you're not alone. But you have to believe the words that you're saying. You have to now state, I believe in you, Jesus, that you, in your, your God, you died for me and you rose from the dead. And you're going to ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he will through the blood that he shed on the cross. That's what it's all about. And that eliminates the separation between man, woman, and God. Now there's no more separation. And when you die, you go into eternity with him. And if it's you real, if you really mean it, you're going to follow up on it for the rest of your life. So repeat this prayer after me, and everybody say it with them. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying for me, taking my place on the cross. Forgive me my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Today I choose to follow you with my entire life, for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. Friend, I pray for you. It's the most glorious day of your life. That now the Spirit of God lives in you. Follow. Follow Christ. He'll never lead you wrong. He'll never lead you wrong. Get a Bible. If you don't have one, get one simplistic translation to understand it. We have them free for you. The prayer partners afterwards or in the lobby. Start reading New Testament. Stay in the New Testament for a couple years. But know that God loves you and God has saved you. And we thank you, Jesus, for this day, Lord. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said... Amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Everybody repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.